Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, um, verses 16 through 20. Some of it may be familiar to you. It's known as the Great Commission. And we believe around here that uh, churches that follow the great commandment of loving God and loving others and the great commission of sharing that good news with others makes a great church. So let's share in this good word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. What will you share in this crisis? Faith or fear? We all choose what we share in times of stress and this is one of those times. Last week before we started our first ever live stream to an empty sanctuary, Matt Thien said to me, Pastor Mark, our families will be talking about this day for the rest of our lives. This is the time, this crisis, our children will tell their children about. So when the story is told about how you led your family in this time, will it be a story you want told? Will it be a story where you shared your faith or shrank in fear? Will your grandchildren hear how you made the best of it, helping others, praying daily, growing closer to God in the word and with your family and your neighbors? Will there be stories of card games and catch in the backyard and the reemergence of people actually waving to each other from their cars as they passed by, even in the cities, even in Edmond? Or will there be no stories? Because our families are so ashamed of our selfishness when others needed us to isolate for their protection, and we didn't. Or when others were hungry and we stocked our fridges full at home just in case. My name is Mark Foster. I'm the founding senior pastor here at Acts 2. And we have some big choices to make in these days, each and every day in this time. We are a church who takes our name from the first church, which was no stranger to hardship and persecution and famine and plagues and distress. And yet through it all, for more than 2,000 years, by the power of the risen Jesus, we remain. 
we remain to share our faith and, if necessary, use words. Now, this is where it may get a little challenging. For those of you on our new platform, sermon notes are available to you online. You can actually go and see those. Uh, You may want to take some notes. Um, I'm going to preach like I normally do uh, with notes for you, and they're there that you can um, see online. So let's get started with God's good word for us, because I want us to share faith, not fear. And the first thing I want to share with us is just remember that small acts of obedience now make a large impact later. Small acts of obedience now make a large impact later. I'm so grateful that Scott Cood on our team came to me about a year ago and said, you know, Mark, I think it's time that we start a live stream. I've, I've got a little bit of bandwidth in my life and um, I'd like to work on this project and I'd like to get this up and running for the church. Um, at about the same time, a few months earlier, um, we had someone say, you know, I really think that we need um, a stronger internet ability to push out uh, video and other things that we want to push out from the church. And with some significant resources to put towards those things that we didn't have to have in that season. But as we listened to God, both individually and as a church, people decided about a year ago, you know, this is something God's calling us to do. This is something we need to do. And we're going to invest in our ability um, to live stream and to push that out by our internet capabilities. And that small act of obedience about a year ago is now making a large impact for us uh, in these eight weeks. I also want to remind us that in seasons of stress, we listen first. We listen for what God is saying in the scriptures. We listen for God, what God is saying to us through one another. And then we adapt for a time for God to make beautiful things. In each season, particularly when things get harsh and things get hard, we have to listen for how we're going to live differently. Not forever, but for a time. My family is so good to me. They put up with some really crazy nonsense. Many of you all know that I'm kind of a flower nut, that I really enjoy uh, planting bulbs in the fall and watching them come up in the spring. Um, and through the summer, I really, really like flowers that last, you know, a while. I, I really love tulips, but in Oklahoma, they last about a day. But one of the things that I found is that there's a, a tree called a tropical hibiscus or an oriental hibiscus, um, and it looks like this. It doesn't look very great right now because we've been wintering it. Uh, this tree, I think, is about seven years old now, um, but it, it cannot be Uh, It cannot handle a freeze. It simply will not tolerate it. If it gets below 32 degrees, it's done for. One night, below 32, and this tree is gone forever. It only takes one time for that tree to be gone. So what do we do? When it gets to be October, we start watching the news and the weather very closely. And we say, okay, is it going to be below 32 degrees at any point in the next seven days? And if it looks like it's going to get close, um, we take this tree, which is not light, um, and we move it inside. Uh, At times, when we had three cars in the garage, that meant that it was in one of our rooms. And it sheds most of its leaves, and it's gross, and it's a mess. But you know what? We do it because we have a hope and a full assurance that something better is going to come. 
It's not just some weird little hope like, oh, well, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. No, we know that if we shelter this little plant, not so little plant, inside our home in the winter, all next summer, it will do something beautiful with us and for us if we care for it in this time. Now, to be fair, it's kind of a pain, particularly in these seasons where um, it'll be higher than 32 and then lower than 32, and, and you've got to bring it in and out, in and out, because you want it to have some light and some water, even in the winter, or it'll die. And as we do this, they're not very pretty. Um, this plant is not as old, but you can see this is the only bloom on our Bougainvillea that we bring inside. And you can see that it's got some pretty nasty thorns on it. Um, it's nothing that you really want to look at or be around through the winter. But even then, there are these little tiny glimmers of hope, even in the garage. And we do this because we trust that in the way God has made this plant and the way God has made the world, there will be a day that we get to enjoy something that we could not think or imagine. There's no way that as I look at my garage or I see the dead leaves uh, on the carpet that we have to clean up, that I have to keep this in mind even though I couldn't envision it. And that's the season that we're in, friends. We are in a season of wintering our lives, of bringing things in, of keeping them safe, knowing full well that there will be a day where we will again see God's beauty. We will again be able to meet in person. Uh, but in this time, we listen, we adapt for that day. And that's a great metaphor for us, friends, as Christians. We don't ever live just for this day. Because we are not citizens of the earth only. We are citizens of heaven as well. So we live each and every day, not just for this day, but for that day. When we see Jesus face to face, and we worship at his table together, and we sing his praises. Friends, the world needs hope and peace. And you and I, we know the source. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. We know the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also. That's the way Paul put it to the early church. And will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake so that grace as it extends to more and more people may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Will you say that out loud with me? So we do not lose heart even though our outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Is this time difficult? Yes, it is. Does it compare to what Christ has for us for all eternity? No, it does not. Not even close. Because we, as citizens of heaven, we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary. What we're going through now is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal, and this is our hope. Friends, if there was ever a time that the world needed hope, it's now. It is time to share the hope that is in us. We need to be reminded, we need to remind one another, and we need to share it with the world. St. Peter, the first bishop of the church, he says this, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
Friends, we have hope, but it's not just because we have hope. It's because we have hope in Jesus, because he is raised from the dead. And we share this hope with gentleness and respect. That's the key part. Now, I grew up Methodist in a time where Methodists were not known for sharing our faith. Uh, There were other traditions that were known for sharing their faith. Um, But some of the other traditions were known um, for kind of beating you over the head with their Bible. And and I didn't want to be a part of that as a high schooler uh, and in college. I wanted to be different. I wanted my actions to show my love for people. Uh, And I didn't want to be associated with people um, who, you know, were kind of, it felt almost mean-spirited or judgmental. Uh, or you're not as good as we are, or any of that. And you know around here that we always want to get better, but we never want to be tempted by pride to think that we're better than. Not ever, not for one moment. So when we do come, when we listen to God, and we ask God, is this the time? Is this when we share our faith? We do it with gentleness and respect. That's what the early church knew. That's what St. Peter taught, that when we share, we talk to God, we listen, and then we share the hope that is in us with gentleness and respect. And so one of the key pieces I think that the church has gotten it wrong, and we have to reclaim this, is that we talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. And when I follow this, the results are miraculous. And when I get out in front of God on this, the results are disastrous. And I know something about this as a church planter. In 1999, when we started with zero people, and I was supposed to have hundreds of people within the first year. Uh, It didn't happen, by the way, but that was sort of the expectation I was told. I mean, I was desperate. I was hungry. And I found myself every once in a while talking to people about God before I'd really spent much time in prayer talking to God about them and how I could bless them and how I could care for them and if they were the person um, that God wanted me to talk to in that season. See, God is always good all the time. All the time, God is good, and God is good all the time. And we have to remember that. We have to talk to God about people before we ever have the audacity to talk to them about him. So I also want you to know that if you struggle with sharing your faith, you are not alone. Uh, Many of you all in our church, uh, I hope, find me uh, pretty, pretty accessible and loving and kind, and I love seeing you. Uh, But Chantel and my boys would tell you that often when we're on vacation uh, or I'm not in my role as pastor, the last thing I want to do is talk to anyone. Um, I can remember uh, Chantel would tell a story. I mean, when our boys were playing soccer and all the parents were together talking, having a good time, and I would go to the other side of the field because I wanted to watch the game. I didn't want to be bothered with the small talk uh, of the other people on the sidelines. Um, Engaging people I don't know Um, and certainly talking about my faith with them is not something uh, that I'm all that comfortable with. Um, And I I just, I want to share that out loud. If you struggle with it, I struggle with it too. But it makes a big difference when I'm talking to God about folks. uh, And when I am actually led by the Spirit to talk to someone about the Lord, and I'm led by the Spirit, uh, beautiful things happen because it's God doing it, not me. So why do we do this? Why do we share our faith? Why does God ask us to do this? Why does Jesus tell us this the very last thing before he goes to heaven well my life's verse is second peter 3 9 and we know it like this that it is god's will that everyone turn their lives towards god that is the message of second peter 3 9 uh, it this is it word for word the lord is not slow about his promise and for me um i believe that it is our job to let everyone know about christ 
And then once everybody knows about Christ, then Christ will come back, but not until. Because the Lord um, is not slow about this promise of coming to us. He's patient with us. Because it's God's will that not, not one person, not one person on the planet would perish. Because God loves all of his children, all of his children. But all to come to repentance. That is God's will. And that's what our church is about. That's what I'm about. And I pray that's what you're about. That every person you lock eyes with is important to Jesus. And therefore is important to you. Important to us. Important to our church family. And we remember that this commandment isn't just sort of one thing thrown out in the middle of the Bible. It is the final words of our Savior Jesus. He's our master. And he commands us to do this. He says, this is what you do. But here's the thing. We don't do it alone. We do it together. And we do it with him. The Great Commission, again, goes like this. Go, therefore. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Even God and God's self is in community, in Trinity, all the time. And teaching them to obey everything, all of it, that I've commanded you. Everything that you've heard Jesus say in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is what we share. And then Jesus says, remember, remember, friends, I'm with you always. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I'm with you to the end of the age. Now, the great thing about Jesus is that Jesus is the greatest leader that's ever lived. And he never asks us to do things that he himself hasn't done. So Jesus says of himself in Luke chapter 19, I came out to seek out and to save the, say it out loud with me, the lost. The lost. People who need him. He, he says he's the great physician. He didn't come for people who had it all together. No, he says he came for the sick. I came for the lost. The, those who were helpless and harassed and in need of a shepherd and a savior. Word for word, the Son of Man, which is a name Jesus uses for himself, came to seek out and to save the, what? The lost. The lost. And each and every person on the planet is lost from time to time. Now, some people have said, I don't really, Pastor Mark, I don't like that word lost. It, it's pejorative. I don't, I don't, you know, it's talking down to people. No, 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 no. Things that are lost have value. Think about your car keys. Have you ever lost your car keys? It's very important that you find them because they have a very important purpose, and you do as well. And your purpose is to love God with all that you are and to love others. It's the great commandment. And we are commissioned. We're on mission with Christ. We are commissioned with Christ to do this work, with Christ Jesus. Commission, the great commission, to do this work with Jesus. Well, that's a tall order. I mean, I, I know that it is. And so you might ask, as I do, well, how do we do this? Well, well the first answer is not alone. We don't do it alone. Uh, we're taught how to do this. Uh, we do this as a community. We talk to other people. Hey, I have this coworker. I have this friend. Or I have this neighbor. Um, and I'm, I'm not really sure what to do. Or I've been praying about this. And, and I think maybe you could help me. And then you share together. Uh, maybe you have a barbecue. Not this week, but later you know you have a barbecue you you talk to friends uh, you maybe you facetime them um but here's the thing we share our faith together together as a community all these things in the bible really they are too hard for any person to live out by themselves that's why christ calls us his body the church it takes all of us working together to bring heaven to earth to fulfill the great commission so i want you to see how this plays out in matthew 28 it says now the 11 disciples Notice that it's not one. 
It's the 11 disciples, minus Judas. They go to Galilee, as Jesus had instructed them, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. So they're going together. We share our faith together, and we also share our faith as directed by Jesus, not by just whatever comes in our mind. So again, back to verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had, keyword, directed them. There's nothing particularly um, important about Galilee and the mountain other than Jesus directed them to do it, uh, which, uh, scholars will tell you, is not close to Jerusalem. They would, uh, depending on how fast you walk, it's a couple of days' journey for sure. Some people think maybe up to nine. So this was not a small thing for them to go to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. The next thing, um, and one of the reasons why our live stream is so important to me, is that we share our faith as we worship Jesus, and others see it. Oftentimes, people will come to faith by seeing your faith in action. As you worship Jesus, as you draw close to him, as you care for others, as you're active in your community, as you live out your faith, others see that, and they too find Jesus. In the next verse, in verse 17, it says, When they saw him, the disciples, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now this word, worshipped here, means that when they came into the presence of the risen Jesus, they fell down on their face, that they were prostrate. They went all the way down, and they had never done this before in the Scriptures. If you look at the footnotes in your study Bibles, you'll see that they fall down before Jesus, God himself in resurrected form. This is what worship is. So if you ever have any doubts about what it is to worship God, it is to actually fall down on your face and know that God is God and you are not, and he is worthy of our praise and our love, and he can do with us whatever he pleases because he is God of the universe. And yet somehow he's come in the person of Jesus to show love to you and to me. And it is in this power and authority that we share our faith. So the scripture says, go therefore, and we know around here that every time you see a therefore, you have to say, well, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, it's because of this in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority, all of it, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, there are two Greek words for this. One is dunamis, which is like dynamite, power, boom. And there's also exousia, which is authority. And Jesus has both. Not only does he have the title, to do it christ messiah lord but he has the power to do it and no one had ever seen anything like this all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me jesus says therefore go you can do this you can do this and as we share our faith in our daily lives as we go immersing people in the with god life so this isn't a one-time thing this is every day you're living with God, you're listening to God, you're adapting your life to God, whatever season you may find yourself in. And you go with God under his protection and authority. Go therefore, Jesus says, and make disciples, followers, apprentices, students of all nations, no respecter of persons, baptizing them, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, this with God life. Because then... Uh, in ways that we don't understand as clearly now. In the name of means in the power and protection of. When our military goes out on operations, they go out in the power and protection 
of the United States government. You, as a citizen of heaven, when you go out to do the work and will of God, you go out in the power and protection of Almighty God. There is no safer place to be in this world than in the hand of God. It's in his power and protection, in the name of Jesus. That's why we say that in our prayers. In the name of Jesus, in the power and protection of Jesus, go you, go us, go be light in the world. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we do all of this remembering that God is with us. God is with us. In verse 20, it says this, that we teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, Jesus says. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Well, friends, it's not the end of the age yet. So that means God is with us. So let me ask you this. How did you come to faith? If you don't have something to write with, I I hope maybe you'll you'll get that or send the kids to go get that. But I, I want you to really think about this. How did you come to faith? Adam Hamilton, in his book, um, we are in the fifth week of Lent, by the way. This is the fifth Sunday of Lent. And we're following along, how do we live our faith out day to day? Uh, And this week, we're talking about how we share our faith. And, And Adam says this. He says, if you're a Christian, it is because faith was shared with you by someone. I I think that's right. There are very, very few stories in all of Christian history where someone has a direct encounter with God that doesn't include someone else. So let me ask you, who was a positive witness in your life? I hope you'll write that down. Who was a positive witness in your life? Who has helped you in your faith? Who helped you come to know Jesus? And equally important, who has helped you grow in Jesus? Develop you to maturity, to meat and not just milk, to be a follower of Jesus, not just a believer in Jesus, to really be a disciple, an apprentice, a student. One who goes out in his name and the power and protection of. For me, one of those people, um, well, if you're like me, let's just say that um, mom and dad were absolutely formative in my life. You know my dad was a preacher, um, and when I was four, uh, he knelt with me by my bedside uh, in a tiny little house in a bunk bed with my sister in the top bunk and me on the bottom, and I accepted Christ into my life. Um, but being a preacher's kid is, a, is an odd thing because you don't want your faith to simply just be your dad's faith or your mom's faith. Uh, that needs to be developed. And so uh, when I was in sixth grade, I came across, um, I came to my dad's office in Guthrie. He was the pastor at First Methodist Guthrie. And um, I saw this woman in her 80s um, walking up and down um, the pews. And... Her name was Zola Cook, Mrs. Paul Cook. She was a minister's widow. Her husband had died. They had never made much money, and she was a member of the church. And each and every week, she would walk through every pew, and she would visualize each and every person on every pew, and she would pray for them. And I would watch her do this in amazement. I was transfixed as I would watch her make her way through the sanctuary. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And it wasn't long that we developed a relationship, and I started a little lawn care business as a sixth grader, and she asked me to mow her lawn, which I was happy to do. She paid me $11, $10 to keep, and 
$1 to give in the plate. To which I would say to her, shouldn't you give me $11.11 so I can tithe on the dollar and the dime? And she was like, stop it, John Mark. And at the end of every mow, she would come out and inspect my work and see how I did. And then she would invite me in for fresh-baked cookies and Spee's apple juice each and every time. And we would spend about 30 minutes together, and she would share her faith and what God was doing in her life and what God might be doing in mine. And so this letter is one of my most prized possessions. I've kept it this whole time. I received it in 1987. I was, had just finished my freshman year uh, at Oklahoma State, and inside of it was a two-page handwritten letter and a bulletin, <laughs> which was something um, that people did back in the day. They would always let you know what's going on in the church. Uh, they'd say, hey, look, I, here's a bulletin because you know what's going on. Um, and when she sent me this letter, uh, I had not lived in Guthrie for about four years at that time. My parents had, uh, and I had moved on to uh, Fairview, and then we were moving on again to Lawton. But um, here's what uh, Ms. Cook wrote to me. She said, Dear Mark, thank you for your letter, which arrived the last week in May. It was a delicious letter, underlined. It was my miracle letter, underlined, exclamation point. Thank you for all the nice things you said about me. I will try harder to live up to them. How your old granny delighted in all your many honors and accomplishments your first year at OSU. I'm telling you, you really pulled off some big ones. I took your letter to the Helping Hands Sunday School class the following Sunday, and all those wonderful things you did. And she shared it with them. Handwritten letters. If, if you haven't ever seen one, they look like this. They're powerful. They get shared with people that are loved. And then she, she closes. Uh, she says, uh, I did not write to you right away because I knew you were moving at conference time. And then I asked for your address and then I lost it. And then I found it. And here's your letter. She writes, I am holding together for my old age doing pretty well. I do not drive at night or attend night meetings. My eyes are very poor. Thus, my writing is not very good. The condition cannot be helped. I am just thankful. They have served me so well all these years. I love you all. Tell your dad and mom they're in my prayers. And tell my birthday girl, my sister, that I love her. Included is $10. Give her five, okay? Thanks. And then she closes with scripture. Psalm 118, 24. And then she says, be sweet, be good. Love, prayers, and sweet memories are all sent with this letter. And then she actually drew herself delivering the letter to the post office box. I mean, who does that? Who writes a college kid a letter that you haven't seen in years just to continue to encourage their faith, to bless them, 
She can't drive at night. She can't get out, but she can write a letter and own the fact that she's not sure I'll be able to read it. Are there people who would say that you played a key part in their becoming a follower of Jesus? In your development? and their development? Think about that. You can do that for someone. It's not too late. It's not too late. Wherever you find yourself, it is not too late. So our action step this week, friends, is this. I want you to be a Zola cook for somebody. Write them a letter. Go online. Tell them to watch the live stream. And if you can't watch us live, watch us later. We'll be there all week long. So I want to invite you to invite five people to participate with Acts 2 by this Christmas. In whatever form we're allowed to gather. I want you to look at your hand and I want you to ask God to place in your hand five names of people that you could invite to be a part of our faith community that, that don't have a faith community. I want you to think about that. Who are people you could bless? Pray, pray to God that he would give you names for the, those five fingers on your hand. And then this afternoon at 2.42, I want you to pray for somebody that doesn't have a faith community. I want you to intentionally ask God to place those names on your heart and to pray for them and ask God to show you your next step because we always want to talk to God before we talk to people that he loves to make sure we're talking to them in love and gentleness and respect. Will you join me in this prayer? Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the people you brought into my life who brought me to you. Thank you for giving them the courage to live their faith in such a way that I saw you through them. Bless them for the blessing they have been to me. Use me, Lord, as you use them. Let me be your light that pushes the darkness away. Let me be your witness every day. Let me draw people to you. Let me be someone who allows others to see a reflection of you in me. And all of God's people say, amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let's share in the Lord's prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.